You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Hyper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. As always, I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We're here. We're going to talk a little bit more about our Be a GM draft. But first, some news is coming down the wire here for our arch rivals. Paul Fenton, GM of the Minnesota Wild, after just one year at the helm, has been fired. A lot of us might be a little disappointed with that because in the Avalanche's eyes, he seemed to be doing a great job destroying that team. AJ, Fenton out very quickly, and yet somehow it still feels a little too late, doesn't it? It's hard to believe that the the wake of destruction he wrought was only a year. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's also crazy to believe that this was a guy who was – very highly sought after across the NHL. One of the premier AGMs for a very long time in the league uh, and had so many, uh, had so many different intriguing offers and, and teams that were after him Yep, that he was able to, he was, he was able to pick a spot that he wanted to go to. Whereas yeah. a lot of AGMs kind of have to take the plunge, have to go in and on their first guy. Uh, you know, on the first team that offers them because they may not get another offer. 
Right. And Fenton was offered a number of GM jobs over the years. Hell, even even the Avs expressed an, an interest in in Fenton once upon a time. Yep. And never went anywhere because he was uh he he was so comfortable with Poyle. I mean, they had Poyle and uh Fenton for their entire existence in Nashville. Yep. And so they were very comfortable and he was very comfortable and why why are you uh, you know why why are you looking to upset that apple cart if you're those guys? Uh and then the the job that he ended up taking was the Minnesota job, which uh Craig Leopold is the owner of the wild. Big big reason why he took that job. He was the original owner of the Predators and there was a there was a comfort there, a friendship there. And and helped everyone else dodge a bullet. <laughs> it's hard to believe, honestly. It's it's hard to believe that, given that comfort level, that that owner gave him one year and fired him. It's it's yeah. a little shocking. These this doesn't happen in the NHL. You know, I, I mean, it, it it doesn't really happen in any league. And the Houston Texans just fired their GM after a year as well. And that was a little less shocking because they were after a replace. They were after somebody specifically to replace that guy. Whereas this looks like the it's just incompetence. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with the claim of incompetence. To me, it's just <laughs> Minnesota's feeling the pain that they didn't do this before he signed Matt Zuccarello. I imagine. Well. Up until that, right. I think I think Fenton could make an argument that he had a plan in place and he was seeing I it agree. through. It was a plan of the team's going to get worse, but it was right. a plan. It was like, hey, we're going to get younger. We're going to try and we're going to try and get a little bit cheaper. Um, you know, Rask and Niederreiter was was a deal. Hey, it didn't. It was it was not working out. <laughs> it's a it's a total disaster. Uh, but the the Coil Donato deal could end up being good for them. We don't really know. Uh, there's there's you know things could end up you know Kevin Fiala for Grandland could end up being just fine, uh, especially because they weren't going to be able to bring they weren't going to bring Grandland back uh, when he hit UFA next summer. And Fiala's right. only twenty two, and they've got another four years of him as an RFA. So like some of the moves made sense. You know, you could sell an owner on some of that. Hey, this is why this happened. All of that got undone with the Matt Zuccarello signing, who you just gave huge money to a guy in his 30s, which is just more of the same. You combine that with uh, the the legit disaster of the first round, the first first round pick he made uh, last year in the 2018 draft. Just uh, a total miss. Uh, yeah. Which it's, it's not, it is not common for basically everybody to have written a draft pick off one year into their career. <laughs> right. Uh, but Philip Johansson, uh, he was a defenseman that they drafted 24. First of all, he was overdrafted. Definitely. Way was, off the board at the time. Yeah. He was a guy that, that I'm not sure. I'm not sure where you had him, but I had him in the forties last year. I thought he was yeah. like a mid second round guy I, who was okay. 
I think I probably had him even lower than that. I think like late second. Okay. So neither one of us were high and they drafted him 24th. Yep. And I remember being there and it happened and I laughed about it and I was like, oh my gosh. Because (laughs) the guys who were the defensemen that were drafted immediately after him, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, Nick Bowden, Niles Lundquist, Rasmus Sandin, and Alexander Alexeyev are all super solid yeah superior prospects yeah and like even even though i'm not even the world's biggest bernard docker fan every single one of those prospects is significantly better than the guy they took and that was true the day they took him and so right now it looks like that's a totally burned pick and then their second pick jack mcbain was a guy yeah Yeah. was a guy that went from the ojhl into hockey east and is headed back to the OJ <laughs> like it, yeah. total total disaster on the draft floor last year. Uh, I love their draft class that they just had with with uh, Boldy, Hunter Jones, and Adam Beckman. Yep, I'm not a big first off fan, but it's fine because I like their other picks. <laughs> um, but that uh, it's been it's two two really high profile. Big, big, big misses, and then one absolute dumpster fire of a trade in Rask for Niederreiter. And right. I'm, I'm, I still think this is it's too, it's way too soon to pull the trigger. Uh, one, one year is just you, you honestly, you have to, you have to give a guy more than that unless you truly, truly, truly believe it's never getting better. You've got to give him more than that. <laughs> well. Uh, I have little doubt that <laughs> Fenton's GMing work certainly led some people in Minnesota to drink. Oh my God, so yeah. it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it a couple of weeks ago. We've used it for a couple of events already, and there are many more up on there. You'll be able to see all of them, and you can RSVP, RSVP and come drink some Breck beers with all of us. So with that, I think people here drinking Breck beers are probably drinking them happily today and seeing Minnesota kind of self-destruct a little bit right now. Do you have any idea what their plan is after Paul Fenton, or are they just I out mean, in the wild now? I really don't know. Um, this is... You know, when when Waugh quit on the Avs a couple of years ago and kind of put them into a a tailspin of a a coaching search, you know, they they performed a full coaching search. They went through all of the candidates that I think they would have been happy to go through several months earlier. The big problem was, was they couldn't get any assistants to come with. Um, all the, all the assistant coaches already had contracts and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they, the abs were able to at least go through a full 
coaching search. Right. This is going to be tough for Minnesota because in the same way that while Colorado was able to go through a coaching search, uh, they will be able to go through a GM search just fine. Yeah. But reshaping their front office and uh, getting new scouting, new scouts in there and getting, you know, new analytics people in there and all these teams, all these NHL teams have been making these hires for months. Yep. They've been building up these staff. They've been building up these these groups and adding and making these decisions. People have made decisions on where they were going to be next year. You don't do this in, in early August. Early August is when you're done. Right. And, and the instead, pretty thin. <laughs> Minnesota's going to be reshaping the top of their organization, but not able to make significant changes after. They so I think they'll they won't have an issue getting into a real GM search, but it's all the trickle down after that that I think they're gonna have to really be worried about. All the scouts who are really high on on the questionable picks that they've made, you know, all the all the pro scouts who weighed in on the questionable deals that they made, right? Those guys are all still there, so. Fenton, it's one thing to to remove Fenton, but I don't think they can. I I think they need to root out more than just that because there's been other problems. Yeah, there's been a pretty long line of incompetence for quite a while now. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking through here and I see that Zuccarello does have an NMC through the expansion draft even so. I do not envy the GM that has to pick up those pieces. <laughs> Which, I mean, at that point, like, you're not going to... You're not going to have seven forwards worth protecting anyway, so... Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter too much. But. And with Spurgeon probably gone a year from now, yeah. uh, with his the contract expiring... Pretty empty have the, anyway. Yeah. They'll have the 3D that they want to protect, and it'll be... I don't think the expansion draft is going to be a problem for them because I don't think they're going to be good enough for it to matter. Just be too bad. Nice. They won't have enough good players for for it to legitimately be a thing. All right. Well, that uh, that is not a position I envy at all. You know what this position a, I do envy? Who's fucking Vladislav Kamenevs? Yeah. No kidding. Uh, Cam. <laughs> has just signed uh, his contract with the Avalanche. Still waiting on details for the dollar amounts, but it is a one-year deal. We know that for sure. It's going to be interesting. We kind of have him penciled in as the, the 13th forward. We'll see if the Avs feel the same way about him. It, I would expect him to get a significant opportunity still this year, if assuming he can stay healthy. He is an interesting cat, isn't he? Yeah, because didn't get to play a lot last year in the couple in in the games in which he was healthy and was allowed to play, yep. but showed some real upside. Yeah, exactly. And the engagement was was a problem. Um, it seemed like any time. Uh, Anytime you start to feel like, all right, okay, he's played two or three good games in a row, 
he would go out there and just disappear. Yeah. And it was like the consistency was lacking a bit for sure. And and like any young player, like we forget, like this was a young guy who was just needing a chance. He yep. would have made the Predators roster uh, several years ago had they not already been full up. Right. Exactly. So it's. it's it would have been it would have been no big deal, you know. Like you, he yeah. would have had that experience and blah 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 blah. But that was one of the things that led him to Colorado, was that Nashville just didn't really have a place for him. And then back to back season ending injuries, both years he was he was healthy by the end of the season, but they were in the heart of a playoff run. They weren't just going to throw this kid in there and be like, "Well, we'll see." Right. You know, when you do it with the Kale McCarr, it's a totally different thing. <laughs> you're talking about a beast. You know, you're talking about a real special rare guy where you're you're thinking that he's going to have I'm um, I'm sorry to do this, but game changing ability. <laughs> and with with Kamenev, like you're like, oh well he might be able to, you know, maybe he could be a good fourth line center for you. Right. It's it's a shame that he did get injured last year because it was right around the time where you're starting to think, okay, maybe this guy is more than a fourth line center. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get more ice time, things like that. Uh, and and with more ice time comes a bit more ability to find that consistency. When you're playing six minutes a night, yeah. if you're off that night, you're not recovering it. You're just gone. And then you get hurt. Yeah. And you're done for... Like you said, he was healthy at the end of the year, but just wasn't reasonable to put him back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Now you're on a one-year deal, and, and this is pretty much it for Kamenev, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If he can't make it work this year and stay healthy, I don't see him coming back with the abs, at least. Well, since the trade, he will be he will have had three seasons to make his mark. And right. it's, certain, it's not his fault that he got hurt. Yeah. But at the same time, like, Colorado can't just wait around forever. Right. You know, like, there are so many guys that can help out in a bottom six. And I tell you what, maybe with the Kamenev thing, it's an interesting little bit of what if that, that's that's formed here. Because had he taken those steps forward, had he proven, especially two years ago, before they added uh, the forward depth that they did last summer, um, and and it was all the young kids, and it was everybody competing for all the ice time. Had right. he really gotten a chance uh, two years ago, like Andre Burakovsky maybe isn't an Av today. Very true. You know, had if because maybe maybe Kamenev steps up. You know, Kamenev was a guy that was prolific in in the AHL. You know, was an AHL All Star. Uh, had a, his last year there, he was a 50 point player in 70 AHL games. And if you're, you know, if, if, if you're familiar with the AHL, you know, that a 20, a 21 year old kid, a 20 year old kid having a 50 point season in the AHL is the kind of thing you get really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. That's top prospect material. That's why he was in that deal. You know, Sam Gerard was obviously like the darling coming over from Nashville, <laughs> but Vladislav Kamenev was a big piece too. That was a top prospect. Right. And it's... it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Eli Tolvanen, but he was their their top forward prospect, especially one that was close to the NHL. This was a I mean, this is a this is a real 
player that they've they believe that they've had on their hands and he just hasn't been healthy the last two years and now he might just be a victim of the accelerated timeline you know because you know when they acquired him it was like well we've got all the time in the world to see what this kid's gonna give us because we're not going anywhere we're we're just we're coming off a 48 point season and we just started this thing in earnest and now you fast forward and you look at it and it's like, where are you going to play? And some of that is their own their own doing because they can't not go out and sign a fourth line player or a third line player in free agency. <laughs> but at the same time, like you, you know, they're this is a team that's looking like it's going to compete for a division title this year, and Kamenev's going to have to earn it now. He right. they tried to give it to him and bad luck got in the way. Me. Yeah, uh, but now now he's got to go out and he's got to beat some guys out for jobs. He just has to. It's on him now. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all, and I think he certainly has the skill to do so. But you just can't leave him there as a player who has two straight years of of injury problems. I think it was the same shoulder as well, or same arm at yeah, least. It was. So uh, there is a very significant point of issue there and and you you have to have something i personally would have preferred if you had kamenev on the inside line instead of going out and getting a belmar or something like that but you have to have someone there in case of injury or it doesn't work out with kamenev well we saw what happened last year yep. you know they ended up playing they had to turn to sheldon drives for 40 games right colin wilson played a few games at center yeah it got really messy on that fourth line C position for the Avs. And like, you could say, oh, well, Tyson Jost is your 4C. That's great. And he showed well <laughs> when he was there, but all you could do, you spend the entire time watching Tyson Jost on the fourth line. Like, he really needs to be getting more minutes than this. Yeah. Um, You know, that was the one area where I think Kamenev had started to carve out a role was that he was playing nine, 10 minutes a game. Right. As a fourth line guy, that's like when you have a good fourth line guy, that's what you play them. You only play you only play your fourth line six minutes because you absolutely don't trust them even a little bit. And that was the case last year. And this year they've improved their forward depth to the point where their fourth line should be much, 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 much improved. Yep. And they just could not rely again on Kamenev. They just couldn't right. do it. So it is what it is at this point. It's a right? cold hearted business and it sucks because this might be a young player who could have been really good that, that might end up getting chewed up and spit out. Yep. But he still has a chance. He should still be on the NHL roster. I can't, I can't honestly imagine that they try and uh, start him with the Eagles. Yeah, I don't. It wouldn't make any sense. He'd have to pass through waivers, which he might be able to do. He he could get through waivers, but the Eagles are already really tight. They have plenty of players down there. They've done that already to Kamenev in the past, and it didn't really matter. They just immediately brought him back. So, and he's the twelfth. He's the twelfth signed forward right now on the NHL roster. The only unsigned is Rantanen. So, right. It makes perfect sense if he starts the season as the 13th forward and then when things happen, we'll see. Right. You know, we'll, 
we'll see what the plan is with Belmar, how it works out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that kind of covers the the news of the day for this first segment. If we do hear the Kamina value mount, we'll we'll have it for you. And I'm sure AJ has a article going up on it as soon as he gets that dollar value. But mm-hmm. AJ already stole my game changing transition, so we'll just do a, a delayed one off of that and tell you about some game changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. We will be back in segment two with some more Be a GM teams. These ones, not our favorite. Welcome into the second segment of the <laughs> podcast. You caught me off guard when you did that. <laughs> you were like, okay, go. And then I looked over and it wasn't it wasn't going. And then you were right. like, all right, for reals this time. And I was like, wait, what happened? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make a new recording for the second segment. AJ funny. used to do this to me all the time. And now the tables have turned. So, <laughs> Oh, how the turntables. Yeah, exactly. But... Let's jump in here to some of the the drafted teams that were not our favorites. I think there was one that we both agreed on, just couldn't get behind it. The Anaheim team, Jeff Skinner, Jordan Eberle, Josh Anderson, Morgan Riley, Drew Doughty, and then their first round pick ended up being goaltender Jordan Bennington. No center for starters. We mentioned that on the last show, and then... Mm the reach to take Bennington in the first round just made it hard to put the team together. Knowing how that sausage got made, made it a lot tougher to, to stomach the team. Cause had that ended up being the team uh, and we didn't, and and we didn't know how it, how it happened. Like Jeff Skinner is a high end forward, right? You know, he's a 30 goal scorer. Morgan Riley and drew Doughty is like, is a fantastic defense. It is. But Jordan Bennington was the first pick, and I think that's where you and I both struggled. Um, also, I'm not going to blame the lack of center on our GM there. No. Because Jeff Skinner, for some reason, was listed as one, so he thought he had one. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's, like, that's not on him. Like, that's no. not, like, not coming down on our GM there for, for that, because that was... That was our bad and not getting the right position <laughs> for Listing. Skinner. Yeah. Uh, but which was difficult to do because some of those guys you don't really know. Like I, Tomas Hurdle, I still don't know if he's a center. Yeah. And, right. You know, he got drafted as one. So, um, but no, this was, this, this was a team, both Everlay and Anderson are guys that I think are nice, um, middle six forward right not top line type guys yeah and that was that was my real issue um when the Eberle pick was made Ehlers was still available yep and they were both coming off of uh both Ehlers and Eberle are coming off similar down seasons statistically (laughs) but Ehlers was uh you know he's he's significantly younger and on a great contract yeah and that was that was kind of my 
my issue. Um, and like, if you're going to get a guy that was 28, you know, that, that that's in that, that age range also drafted immediately after was Mike Hoffman. And I get that Hoffman's a free agent, but that's a guy that's a 30 goal guy, like a set and forget 30 goal guy. You know, yeah. J, JT Miller was also a guy who's drafted uh, Sam Reinhart also drafted right after uh, Everlay and before they took Josh Anderson. And uh, Anderson is a guy that I do really like. He's a really uh, he plays he plays with some snarl and he's a legit 20 goal guy, but he doesn't have any playmaking in him. And I think he's more of like a 40 point guy. Like that that's a guy that I would be thrilled to have on a second or third line. Realistically a second line because you're not asking third liners to score twenty seven goals for you. <laughs> yeah. It's I think that's a little bit of the problem. You have Jeff Skinner, who's basically a pure goal scorer. You have Josh Anderson, much more of a goal scorer than a passer. Yeah. Eberly maybe a bit more of an assist guy than than those two, but still not really known as someone who plays that setup role. And you get too many cooks in the kitchen a little bit with the goal scoring there, I think. Yeah, and um, lacking the center, you know, they took Bennington at at the 27th pick. uh, And guys that were taken immediately after Bennington, Sagan, Malkin, Monaghan, Bergeron. Right. And the Morgan Riley pick at the top of the second round that they had, uh, killer pick. Love it. No complaints. Yeah. Uh, and and taking Dowdy when the rest of us were nervous too. Hey, you know what? He's going to be really good for the beginning of that contract. You hope it ages well, but as of right now, the guy's still a stud. And sure. Riley and Dowdy, that's great. But it was the Bennington thing, and then it's your forwards are, are a mismatch. It just felt like if you, know, if, if you weren't going to make a team that was really, really high-end – then you needed to make one that didn't have any weaknesses. Yeah. You know, I, that I one that was just like rock solid. Cause that was kind of the push and pull that we all had to decide between was, you know, do I want to go with a high end team today? Do I want to go with a high end team tomorrow? How do I want to balance contracts? What am I going to do? And this, this team sort of felt like it just kind of fell together. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I will say, had you given it a few more rounds, it may have been pretty easy to cobble it back together. Nicholas Backstrom, Ryan Johansson, Nugent Hopkins, plenty of guys at yeah. center that are playmakers that you could fit into this lineup. For sure. And then and then had they ended up with, you know, with one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, maybe two of those guys and then throw in like a TJ Oshie or um, like a uh, maybe a Nico Heischer. You know, and then all of a sudden you're talking about being able to move these guys around a little bit. And that top six, you know, you're not looking at that top line going, oh, it's a little weak. But that top six starts to look really good. You know, like it it looks really it looks solid. You know, say he gets he gets the center, you know, with one of those guys you you named, you know, a a Nugent Hopkins or a Johansson specifically because they're their age. Yeah. And and then you add in. Uh, another another wing that you might be able to move around a little bit. Um, you know, you add in there uh, a guy like a 
you know, maybe a Brett Connolly or a Jakob Silverberg, an Alex, an Alexander Kerfoot. You know, you start to you start to mix in some skill sets there, and it could be, it could have been, it, it it had potential, but it would have had to he would have had to have bailed on his defense to focus right. on that forward group for sure. That it would have needed fleshing out in a in a big way. Uh, you got a team for me, or you want me to go for another team here? Uh, I I do have one, and I feel bad. Uh, he knows this is coming. Uh, he is he's one of our interns this summer. Uh, in in Luke Marshall, who you guys have uh, been reading great work. Um, he he writes really fantastic stuff. Just don't ask him to draft your team for you. Uh, he drafted the Boston team, and he started off with John Tavares, which is fine. He had a top ten pick, and he went with John Tavares, and that's that's like I don't think I don't think you can really make a strong argument against taking Tavares in the top ten. Yeah, he's, I agree. He's a one of those guys. He absolutely belongs in the top ten of that conversation. Uh, and then they've got yeah. This is we're gonna disagree a little bit on the forward core because they have Tuck. Well, and like I don't mind Tuck as a middle six guy, but as a this is this is putting him on the top line. I hear you. And and I I kind of agree with the same thing you just said about Anaheim with Tuck. I think you're looking at more of a a more fluid top six where you can move Tuck around with a couple more picks and things like that. Putting Tuck and Druin together I don't love Druin's inconsistency is is something that I don't think would go well with that type of game. Yeah. And then next to Tavares, you're talking about three guys with no semblance of a defensive game. Yeah. It's I I think you can get away with that, especially on a top line. Uh, The lack of defense, if you're going forward, forward directionally with the puck, uh, the problem I have is the defense. It's just not great. <laughs> I I think it's it's funny how you feel about players, right? Because yeah. one of the teams I liked yesterday was Seattle, and they had Clayton Keller, and he's got the same point production as Alex Tuck. Yeah, and I was happy with Clayton Keller on the top line, and I don't like Alex Tuck on the top line for this team. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Uh... A feel type of thing sometimes where you think X player has upside, maybe a Y player doesn't, or yeah. just the way that you perceive their game, they don't do the certain things that you like, and that changes a lot how you feel about them. Yeah, and it, it Druin is another guy. Like I honestly, I don't love him on my top line either, just because there are massive holes in his game. Yeah, most notably his. Uh, what's the PG way of putting this? <laughs> well, we'll call it his level of engagement. Sure. <laughs> how much? How much he cares on any given day is a total moving target. His lack of effort. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a problem for me. That's it's it's held back prodigious talent. And then I definitely agree with you um, on the defense. Neither one of these, both of these guys, good point scoring guys and guys that I would be happy to have on my second pairing. Right. Um, But neither is really a top pairing guy for me. And we've for sure seen that with Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. 
He's been given top pairing billing in Buffalo for years, and he's gotten crushed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not the defense I would have gone with straight up on that one. I I think you could have done better there. Do have Matt Murray behind him, which is a I'd like him more than you do, I think, but has had a bit of injury trouble, which is something you'd have to work with. I'm a big Matt Murray fan. I I don't have any issues with oh, that that okay, part of his good. roster. That's I'm glad. He he got one of the top young starting goaltenders in the entire league. Like that part is totally fine. So he started strong with Tavares, ended strong or strong on the other end of the ice with Matt Murray, and then yeah. everything in the middle doesn't quite jive or on the defensive end just not great. Yeah, it's it's just a roster that it lacks the high end. Like you're it it looks like it looks like a, a New York Islanders roster. Yeah. It with, does. During Tavares' time there. Yep. Or Tavares is a stud, and then you have some nice players around him, but nobody that's really anywhere close to his level. Yeah, the lack of core pieces that really can can take some of the pressure off of Tavares at times. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more we'll do in this segment really quick. I had Vegas on my list of, of weaker ones largely because of their lack of, of chemistry, I think, on their top line. They have Artemi yeah. Panarin, which is great. You can't fault that at all. Mm-hmm. But then Dylan Strome and Patrick Laine together, and you are asking a lot out of Panarin to have both of those guys going with him. Mm-hmm. Especially because our Panarin and Laine are both left wings. Uh, yeah. And so Laine is going to be moving over to... The right, right side or yeah. Panarin's moving over to the right. So one of those guys will be, and they are guys that are, uh, they're both righties who have been very comfortable on their off wings for a long time. Yeah. And so that's going to be an adjustment for one of those guys. Kind of a, just like a minor note. And then obviously the question of is Dylan Strom for real? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then he's had one year next to Patrick Kane, so maybe that bodes well for Panarin. But yeah, for sure. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Ned is fine. You don't have yeah, any issues great. with that, for sure. Although I'm wondering if his value was changed at all in the eyes of our GMs when he signed his contract with the signing. Maybe, yeah, because we saw teams were our GMs were not comfortable going with the big money goalies. They waited on all the big money goalies. Yep. And Vasilevsky at the time hadn't signed his mega extension. So right. uh, that that I mean, that was a huge deal. And I'm curious if he would have gone as highly uh, in, in a had had we done the draft like this weekend after he signs that contract, knowing that he's locked up for the next nine years. That's great. But he's also extremely expensive. And then I had done it anyway. But. That defense, uh, Eric Brandstrom and Dustin Bufflin. You got one, I mean, two guys on the opposite side of the spectrum here. One yeah. guy kind of finishing up and the other guy just getting started. Totally unproven, right? And you've got a guy in Bufflin where locker room problems continue to, to follow him around. Yep. You know, I was having this conversation the other day, but you notice that Evander Kane had all kinds of character problems when he was in Winnipeg. And he leaves Winnipeg. He goes to San Jose. You don't hear a peep about that guy anymore. And Dustin Bufflin is yet again embroiled in another team that 
oh, hey, they've got a problem in the locker room again. Right. You know, variable, the, the, the constant there is Dustin Bufflin. For sure. And so you do wonder, and I'm not, I'm not pinning all of Winnipeg's chemistry issues on him solely, but I do think it's notable that uh, they've had that, that those problems persist while he's continued to be around. Right. I, I, I kind of wonder the makeup there with Bufflin. You have a bunch of young pieces in Strom and Line and Brandstrom. Not only is does Bufflin seem to be declining, he's in the last two years of his deal. And regardless of how I feel about the top line, it seems like this team was built with a little bit more longer term in mind there. And Bufflin doesn't seem to quite fit there for me. Yeah, like Bufflin, Bufflin is a top pairing uh, defender. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, that it's, I think that's fine. But yeah, and but Brandstrom is a top pairing guy, fresh out of nowhere, um, a big leap, and then you're asking Line A Strom uh, to be hard carried by Panarin. You know, we don't really know what Line A is. It, it's I tell you, it's it's a really like super high upside group yeah. kind if of like gel it's kind of like the group off. that i made where yeah. if it all comes together holy smokes yeah. um, but my group is all more proven right and there's a whole lot of question marks here still right and like upside wise like top young players I tell you, two years ago, this would have been an unbelievable team, right? Before before <laughs> yeah. people had decided that Strom was a bust and Line A just had this weird season where he was absolutely dominant for a month and then a ghost for the rest of the year. Yeah, right. It's the consistency issues for sure. A lot of questions on, on that front, but... We'll go ahead and, and wrap up this segment two here and, and pay a couple bills where I tell you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. We will be back in segment three with a couple more of the weaker teams hopefully we aren't being too harsh but see you in a minute third and final segment of the bsn avalanche podcast talking about the bgm draft i'm nathan he's aj weaker teams i started last segment aj why don't you hit me with one here uh i've got new jersey here and this is new jersey with the caveat that this could be an awesome team (laughs) Um, fair <clears throat> Sean Couturier is the number one center uh, <clears throat> has proven he can do that in Philly, but being between Giroux and Voracek, it's not that tough. I don't think. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is he's had significant help for sure. Uh, but then in this, in on this team, he's got Jakob Vrana and Kyle Palmieri as his wings. That's a really big step down from Giroux and Voracek. So you're banking hard that Sean Couturier is legit, even without those guys, that he can still be a 75-point guy without those guys. 
And with Verona, you love the upside. It's coming off a 47-point season, 20 goals uh, as a 22-year-old. You love the upside. You're banking on, hey, that guy is going to take another step from that 47 points and maybe go to 57 points or 60 points and maybe get to 30 goals playing on the top line. I like Verona, but I do too. He's the exact same guy as Tuck or Keller. Right. That 47 point guy who needs to take another step if he's going to be playing on your top line. And like you're talking about, you know, you're you want a guy on your top line that has upside like that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, Kyle Palmieri, on the other hand, is just he's in he's a guy that uh, has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career and. You know, is is like a solid like twenty ish, twenty point guy or twenty goal guy that can give you forty to fifty points every year if he stays healthy. And he's all right. It's just that it's we've seen the best of him already, and don't really know. You don't really know with a guy like that. Yeah, I. Like, I'm not holding out hope for him to be more on a top line and, and what he is just not quite good enough. Right. And then the defense is the, the whole back end of the roster is aces. You've got Seth yeah. Jones, Colton Pareko. Now, this is one of those rosters that those guys are both right handed. So they broke our rule. We were trying to go. We had some GMs follow the rule and some GM not some GMs not. And that caused a little bit of draft day confusion because it was like, oh, well, I've got Seth Jones already. But Colton Pareko still on the board, and he's great value right now. I'm going to just take him, even though they're both right-handed. And some GMs were trying to strictly adhere to lefty-righty because we told them to, and some did not. Uh, so it was it was one of those things where we were we were sort of on not the same page with some people on this yeah. one, uh, and I think that. Uh, it, it had an impact on some of our draft classes. Definitely did. Uh, because, Ever- like, if this person were, if, if our New Jersey GM were strictly following it, Pareko is on a different team because he's not yeah. allowed to take him. Right. But how it all ended up full, you know, coming coming down the pipe, you know, Seth Jones, Pareko, and Sergey Bobrovsky and Nett. That is you know, dirty. Yeah. <laughs> you, you worry about the contract with Bob for sure. It's very expensive. He's in his 30s. But as of right now, the guy is awesome. And playing behind Jones and Pareko, uh, that's, a, that's a yeah. <laughs> very, very good defense. Uh, but you do wonder, you know, can Verona take the next step? Is Couturier yeah. the real deal? And even if, you know, even if he is a 75 point guy, you're still talking about like the third tier of centers in the NHL, even though he is very good two way. Uh, And then Kyle Palmieri is 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 who he is. And there's just not a lot of upside there. Uh, So New Jersey was kind of my my last team that. Uh, and and we say like these are teams like we don't like right but like right. these They're are all still, teams take them in a heartbeat yeah. right and like and if you were to give me six more rounds uh we could we could make these teams into something like with Jones yeah. and Pareko you take a couple of lefty D um and then and then add another uh, add another right wing uh, that you really like with with some upside, and yep. all of a sudden you're looking at this roster and you're like, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden it, it's sick, and I I think we'll get into that on tomorrow's show a little bit. We'll talk about some of the the steals, the overrated guys, and and the misses, yeah, the players that didn't get drafted. But 
Yeah, I, I generally agree with you there. Um, everyone who took two of the same handed defensemen gets a 50 DKP minus, I guess. So uh, moving on, one more team for you. I had Philadelphia. This is another team kind of similar, same vein to this one. It does have potential to be very strong, but I do not like how their top forwards mix together. That being Dylan Larkin at center, Brady Kachuk at wing, and Phil Kessel on the, the right wing. Then you have Victor Hedman, Damon Severson, and Alex Georgiev and goal. Bunch of really good players. Bunch of potential in Kachuk and Larkin. Phil Kessel is what he is, which is an extremely strong goal-scoring winger. I just look at that top line and think... Is this going to work? Is this going to fit together and everyone is going to thrive and I don't see it? You know, I love the speed element between Larkin and Kessel, but Kachuk and Kachuk brings that that power element and some playmaking and some offensive flair. And with Hedman, that's great. Uh, Severson can move pucks forward pretty quickly. Yep. But this is a big old mess defensively. Yeah. And then you, it's a big mess defensively. And then you have uh, a totally goalie behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a whole lot of boy. Can you maintain the puck and can you keep scoring on the other team? Because you're going to have to outscore your opponent with this team. It's interesting. I, I'm, I'd actually be really curious to see what Larkin and Kessel do together. Because Kessel's going to be a goal scorer for you as long as he can maintain what he's doing. That's the combination I love. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great combo between those two guys. Uh, but uh, Kachuk is just sort of like a... It seems like Kachuk is like that. I love this this young player, and we're just going to throw him together and just see how it works. Right. Um, I don't really know where he fits there. Maybe he's kind of their, their Landeskogin kind of kind of two-way guy. Defensive game rounds out. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I don't know that Kachuk has the same kind of playmaking that Landeskog does, where... I think it's an an aspect of his game that we've always underrated a little is yeah his he's he's a very good playmaker and he's a, you know he's a lock for 30 to 40 assists a year. Yeah. And I don't know that Kachuk will have that. I do, I just don't really know what Kachuk is in the NHL right. fully fleshed out yet. So that's sort of my confusion there. Uh, or maybe not confusion, but my uncertainty is I just, I'm not comfortable with what Kachuk ends up becoming. And so I don't know how he fits in between Larkin and Kessel. And with Hedman and Severson, it's just sort of a weird hodgepodge group there. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's hard to knock Hedman at any point. Uh, Severson is a guy that I like a lot, but you're looking at what he's done so far. You're hoping 1819 was a breakout year for him with 39 points. Before that, pretty inconsistent. He had a 31 point season and then two in the low 20s. If he's not that 35 ish point guy, 
they, oh boy, and his contract isn't great for someone in the in the low twenties either. Yeah, and the guys there were there were a bunch of guys taken after him that you would have been able to make an argument are much safer picks for guys who are going to be uh, on your top pairing next to Victor Hedman. Right. I I agree with that. Uh, I think that should just about wrap it up for us. A bit of a shorter one. I don't want to hammer too much on our our GMs. As we said, all of these teams you would take immediately. Yeah, all these, all these, every single one of these teams has a major upside. The last one that I I think is interesting is Ottawa. Yeah, where I think I love the absolute. I love the top half of their roster where they have Tyler Sagan, Taylor Hall, and Max Domi, and then the bottom half of their roster is Gasly. Yeah. With I, Eric Gustafson, Vince Dunn, and Jack Campbell. Yeah, that is a whole lot of hoping and praying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's such a – it's so interesting that, like, the forward group, you're like, whoa, I love those forwards. Yeah. Like, you don't have to make, like, the Taylor-Tyler conversation from their draft year. Yeah, right. They get to play together. <laughs> well, at least for one year until Hall walks, but, you yeah, know. Right, because it's <laughs> Ottawa. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but then like Gustafson and Dunn, it's just like, oh my Yikes. god! Yikes! Yeah, like can they both? And well, and like if you're gonna have an Olay caliber defense, you need a strong goaltender. And that ain't Jack. Campbell. And like you're like Jack Campbell, please let those backup numbers be the real thing, <laughs> right? And you know maybe maybe they are like maybe Jack Campbell's like a legit NHLer now, maybe. Wouldn't be the first goalie to do it at that age. But whoa, was that a lot of faith. And that was one of the most interesting rosters because, like, the top half, I loved it. And then just the bottom half, I was like, whoa, what happened? (laughs) Where did the first GM go? (laughs) (laughs) He just knows his forwards really well. Yeah, it was was interesting because there were some teams like that where you could, like, cut them in half and you're like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> this side is great, but <laughs> you're like you're like, can I can I combine like take the New Jersey bottom half with Seth Jones, Colton Pareko, and Sergei Bobrovsky and put, put it in Ottawa and cord. you're like, boom. This is an all-star team now. <laughs> it really is. It really is an all-star team. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's but that's that's a great example of like what the draft was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It got down to the nitty gritty in the second half, and you had to try to find some gems. And some people did, like Ehlers that we've talked about. Yeah, but, definitely. But yeah, it was that, it was a lot of fun, man. And it, it was, was it was cool, and it was educational. And I'm excited to get into one more day of it before we have to go back to talking about real stuff. Yeah, yeah, one more day, hopefully, of, of fun times, and then it'll be August, and we'll, we'll, we'll muddle through. We can talk about things like the upcoming Avs rookie tournament and things like that, but but thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. It's Tuesday, so we got three more shows lined up for you on the rest of the week, and we will catch you tomorrow. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, 
then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the uh, extensive selection of some uh, hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirits staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in ha helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.